Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So two weeks ago, I was talking to my brother in North Carolina. My brother is trained as a veterinarian, and he is now a toxicologist. He tests the effects of, human, uh, of drugs on the human body. He is one of the smartest individuals that I know. And uh, in my family, it said that he got the brains and I got the looks. <laughs> now, I'm the one that said that, but still, it said within our family that he got the brains and I got the looks. And so he calls me a couple of weeks ago, and he, he teaches Sunday school in his church there in North Carolina. And he said, Darren, I've got a question. I'm thinking about teaching something for my Sunday school. Do you know anything about the Apostles' Creed? And I said, never heard of it, not at all. Don't even know what you're talking about. And so I kind of walked him through what we were doing and going to make some resources available to him at a cost, by the way. <laughs> Nothing's free. And, and so it's interesting, it struck me that is this just a coincidence that two brothers half a continent away would teach on the same thing? But I think it's more than that. I think it represents a hunger that we have to say, what, what is it when we call ourselves a Christian, what is it we really believe? And not only what we believe, but who do we believe in? And the entire Apostles' Creed, you can see it on the back of your announcement sheet today, it really is centered around the person of God, God the Father, that God is a Father who loves us in our weakness, who provides for our needs, who teaches us in our ignorance and corrects us when we go astray. That's what a good father does. And we talk about Jesus being our Lord, and that's not a name that we should use lightly. Lord means that he has our ultimate and total allegiance that goes to Jesus Christ and him alone. And then we come to the last part, the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I taught you the sign language for Trinity. These three persons are one God. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, who or what are we talking about? And I think that's very important to begin there because the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is He. And you can't define a person, but you can describe a person. So my best description of the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is God's personal, powerful presence. And each word means something. Again, the Holy Spirit is not an it. This is the personal presence of God that He chooses to put inside of each of us. That's available, that we can have God in our lives personally. This personal God is also powerful, and I know you feel this. Our world is increasingly polarized and pressurized, and we need something more within us than what we have power to stand up under the strain. We need God's power desperately. And then the Holy Spirit is also God's presence. You see, in the Older Testament, God's presence was in the tabernacle and then in the temple, and then God's presence was in Jesus Christ. And now that Jesus Christ has been resurrected and ascended back to the Father, God's presence can now be in you, God's personal, powerful presence. Here's the problem is that the Holy Spirit is so mysterious, sometimes we don't know what to do with Him. And so we either ignore or neglect or move away. So this last week, um, we went to Disney World. 
Purgatory does exist. <laughs> it's one of those vacations you just come back more exhausted, right? So I went to Disney World, and, and I've heard of this before, but actually I saw it for myself this, this time. Disney, both Disneyland and Disney World, encourage feral cats to live all over the property. In fact, they provide... Uh, yes, I'm about to say something positive about cats. Get a load of this. This is a historic day. They provide cooling stations during the day so that at night, cats can fan out all over the Disney theme parks and eat mice. Now think about that. That's ironic that here is an entire industry devoted to a mouse. Isn't that funny? And mice are not welcomed, okay? So think about, y'all are getting a hoot out of this. This is great, I love this. Think about this for just a minute. We are to be the holy people of God, meaning that the Holy Spirit is not only within each of us, but the Holy Spirit is also amongst us corporately. And sometimes it seems like we do everything possible to run him out of town. I'm asking you this morning, let's ask for the Holy Spirit. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit in here. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit amongst us as the people of God. And so let's try to understand a little more about him. Acts chapter 2 is where we are this morning. Luke is the writer of both the gospel and the book of Acts. And what he does is pretty astonishing And that he puts the coming of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts in the same position as he did the birth of Jesus in his gospel. In Luke chapter 1, the birth of Jesus is foretold. In Acts chapter 1, the coming of the Spirit is foretold by Jesus. Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. God is coming again into his world. Okay. Now hang on, because what we're about to read is among some of the strangest passages of Scripture that I know. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 when the day of Pentecost came. Pentecost was 50 days after Easter. You hear Pentagon, five sides, Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, and it was both a secular and a religious holiday. It was secular in that the wheat harvest had just come in. So it was a high time, God's bounty, celebrating God's goodness and another year of provision. But also, the Jews would celebrate Pentecost as the time of remembering God giving the law on Mount Sinai. But this year, this year in 29 AD, it seems that God would give more than his law. He would give himself. So the Pentecost came, and all the disciples were together in one place. Suddenly, look at the wording here, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. As I read this, um, somebody once said of Rembrandt, and we have some Rembrandt reproductions around the church, one in our connecting corridor. Someone once said that Rembrandt says some things for which there are no words in any language that he communicates some things that we would have trouble describing. That's what Luke is feeling here. He didn't know quite how to tell us what is happening here, and so he's straining the boundaries of language to say, I can't 
tell you exactly what happened, but it was like this, and it seemed to be like this. In particular, they heard what sounded like wind, and they saw what seemed to be fire. So now think about this for just a moment. The world is competing for our ears and eyes. What you pay attention to will determine who you are becoming. The world is competing for your ears and eyes. So for a few minutes today, would you listen? Would you see? Let's allow God to have our rapt attention. So what they hear is something that sounds like wind. Now this is important because in the Greek, there's one word for wind and breath. Same word, pneuma. You hear the word pneumonia in there. So, same thing is true in Hebrew, that there is one word for both wind and breath. It's the word ruach. And depending on the context, it's either external wind or your internal breath. The first time that word shows up in the Bible is when God breathes breath into the life of Adam. God creates new life. So, what God did in Genesis is happening here again in the book of Acts. But now God is not just breathing physical life. He is breathing spiritual life into his people, into us, into the followers of Jesus. We still use this from time to time. We talk about somebody being a breath of fresh air. What we're looking for is what God provides. In a stale and stagnant world, God wants to breathe new life into you. If you're bored in your relationship with God, if you're bored in your relationship with the church, if you're bored in the way you're doing life, listen to this. So Henry Ford and Thomas Edison were friends. They just barely overlapped. Edison was much older than Ford, but they overlapped enough to be contemporaries. And when Thomas Edison died, Henry Ford made a, I'm just going to call it, this was a weird request. He asked Thomas, Thomas Edison's son, Charles, that if possible, that he would capture in a beaker the last exhaled breath of Thomas Edison. Now, that's just weird to do that at a deathbed, but Charles Edison did that. He caught the last breath of Thomas Edison, sealed it in a jar, and gave it to Henry Ford. It still resides at the Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan today. But Henry Ford, up to the day he died, he kept that jar by his bed, and every morning when he'd wake up, he'd touch it because it, he believed it contained just a bit of the inspiration of his old friend. Listen, God is not breathing into jars. He's breathing into jars of clay, you and me. He's breathing his life into us, that fresh new life that we're looking for. So we heard what sounded like wind, and we saw what seemed to be fire. Now, I want to go back to the Older Testament again, because remember, Pentecost is the day of remembering when the law was given at Sinai, and when God descended to the mountain in Sinai and gave the Ten Commandments, there was fire and smoke on the mountain. But more than that, everywhere the Israelites went in their journeys, and if you're in my Exodus course on Wednesday night, we're talking about this. In fact, my favorite verse in Exodus is Exodus 13:22. It says this whether it was the, the cloud, excuse me, 
whether it was the column of cloud by day or the column of fire by night, it never left its place from in front of God's people. God's presence was there, and that fire by night was God giving guidance in the darkness. Do you see it? That when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are not only given new life, but we are also given the means of God's guidance. If you feel lost today, look very carefully at what's happening right now. So they heard wind, they saw fire, new creation, God's guidance. And then verse 4, it gets even weirder. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, and we'll talk about what it means to receive the Holy Spirit, when we have the Holy Spirit, how we can have more of the Holy Spirit here in just a moment. But when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, we receive two things. We receive fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Easy to quote, hard to develop. It's not the fruit of the Christian, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Let me ask you this question. Are you still the same person you were 20 years ago? I pray to God you're not. I think that's one of the frustrating things and challenging things about being a pastor and, and actually being a part of a church, not just being a pastor, but seeing the same people year after year and we see no real change going on in our lives. Now, if you've ever planted a garden, you know that you don't plant the garden one day and come out and find tomatoes the next day. It takes time but you should see progress. And we'll never be perfect in this life, but we are called to make progress, right? So we receive fruit. We also receive gifts that the Holy Spirit will bring certain abilities to you, either abilities that you already have innately that you learn how to use for God's glory and other people's goods, or things you were not able to do initially that now suddenly you just know how to do. Um, we've kind of been renovating part of our house and we needed to replace a bathroom vanity so we had a new piece of granite brought in and had to redo all the plumbing so I called two plumber friends of mine I happened to go to church here and said would you guys come over and take a look at this for me and they they did all the plumbing work but I noticed a trend every time I'd go in the bathroom and go hey can I help out they would go no they said go get me a water so I'd go get them a water can I help out no go get me a Phillips all right I'll be right back gotta go get it they wouldn't let me near the plumbing because they knew I would do more damage than good, right? And in fact, one of them finally said, you just be a pastor, we'll be a plumber, right? Okay. Now, two very different gifts. One's not better than the other. You know what these two plumbers do is they help out specifically those who are older who might be taken advantage of by unscrupulous plumbers. That's the way God has used their gifts. And let me tell you, they make a lot of difference in what they do. It's that giftedness with something that seems so pedestrian, but in fact can have impact. So, now we want the Spirit. We want new life. We want guidance. We want fruit. We want gifts. So let's look what happens in verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Why were they there? big festival of Pentecost going on. Everybody was coming to Jerusalem. 
When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these men who are speaking Galileans? Now, let's pause here for just a minute. Think about this. You're about to see where all these other people are from. How do they know that disciples like Peter and John and Bartholomew and Andrew, how did they know they were Galileans? Because in that day, everyone pretty much dressed the same. So how would they know that they are Galileans? It seems to be that as God has given them this gift to speak in native languages that they haven't studied, that they were still speaking with a Galilean accent. So it'd be kind of like me from West Texas speaking French. Bonjourno, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> right? I spoke French. But you'd say, that kid ain't from France, right? Yeah, because I would be speaking it with my West Texas drawl. I love this part. Because as God gave gifts to the disciples, and ultimately he gives gifts to us, get this, you will use them when you're on, with your own accent. The gift God gives to you, you will use in a way that no one before, and no one after, and no one ever will use. God will utilize our personality, but not eradicate it. He'll use the way we're created to be a part of his work. So they knew they were Galileans. Now, uh, this is how each of us heard, uh, excuse me, verse 8. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Mede, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, Rome, Cretans, Arabs, list goes on and on. Scholars have spilt a lot of ink trying to figure out what's the system here. Is he going east to west with the listing of nations? Is he going north to south? Is he moving in a circular pattern? There is no system. If you remember when the Holy Spirit came over creation, there was chaos, and the Holy Spirit was brooding over creation. Now the Holy Spirit, again, is brooding over all the chaos of creation, all the languages, all the different peoples. And he's going to bring order out of this by calling people to Christ. Listen, we prayed for peace a moment ago. Please remember that today in the Gaza Strip, that today in Ukraine, that today in Israel, that today in Russia, that maybe even today in North Korea, there are brothers and sisters in Christ that are there. Don't let our hatred for our current political enemies blind us to the reality that we hope that all people of every nation bow before the throne of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's remember that. The Holy Spirit is sometimes working in ways that we can't explain and that we don't understand. So, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, verse 12, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun and said they've had too much wine. So the, the wheat crop was a time of celebration and some people took that too far. And as Albert Einstein once said, he said, great spirits have often received violence from mediocre minds. Here God is working. And some people are saying, well, they just, they sound drunk to me. Now, I think one of the pleasures of parenting, actually, 
is taking your kids to have their wisdom teeth removed and then hearing what they say when they wake up from under anesthesia. Have any of y'all ever had these? Let me encourage you, when you take your kid to the doctor, take your cell phone with you and take a great video. Our son, our middle son, when he had his wisdom teeth removed, he woke up, the first thing he said this, he said, Dr. Lloyd throws a great party. <laughs> I said, well, where is Dr. Lloyd right now? I said, he just went out to the alley to get the good stuff. I don't know what the good stuff is, but I want some of that, right? So when we're under the influence of drugs, hopefully legal drugs, we, we don't know what we're saying. And that's what some people were saying. This sounds like nonsense to me. But others were saying, what does this mean? That's the question right now. What does this mean? And Peter, standing up in front of the crowd, again, he goes back to the Older Testament. And he takes a very simple passage from Joel 2. I'm going to read verses 17 through 21. In the last days, God says, by the way, we are in the last days right now. I don't know when Jesus Christ is going to return, but the Scripture defines the last days as the time between Jesus' ascension and his certain return. We have been in the last days for the last 2,000 years, and we will continue to be in the last days until he does. In the last days, God says, I will pour out. I'm not going to give you a trickle. I'm not going to give you a couple drops. I'm not going to make you beg for more. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters, they will prophesy. They'll start saying some things that they didn't realize they knew. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Your whole mindset and reality will be expanded. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. What does this mean? That all of creation will feel the impact of this. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what does this mean? Well, it means a couple of things. God is working. God is moving right now when you can't see it, and especially when you think he's not. God is working in our world. He's working in our lives. We just need to decide to have eyes to see and ears to hear that. It's like Elisha in 2 Kings 6, when God's people are surrounded by an enemy army, and Elisha's servant said, there's, there's so many of them, how will we ever win? And Elisha prays that God would open the servant's eyes, and he would see warriors of fire, not only surrounding God's people, but protecting them from the enemies. It all depends on what you're listening for and looking at. God's at work. Second, we believe that people can change. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we as ordinary human beings start to become the person that God created us to be before sin. So, if you want the Holy Spirit, should you expect this kind of experience? And some people do have rather spectacular experiences with the Holy Spirit, but I want you to hear this. The promise of Jesus is that when you come to Him, when you say yes to be him being Savior and Lord, you receive the Holy Spirit at that moment. In fact, he calls the Holy Spirit a deposit. 
There's more to come. This is just the initial gift. You are given the Holy Spirit. So, in a manner of speaking, you don't have to ask for the Holy Spirit, but I would encourage you to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. In fact, would you join me in my midweek update this week? I'm going to encourage us to pray, God, would you fill me? Would you fill us more? The Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John chapter 5. God gives the Spirit without limit. He will give you as much of his personal, powerful presence as you want. The only barrier between you and God is you. God is not stingy. He's waiting for us to clear room for him. What does this mean? God's at work. People can change. Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit coming tells us Jesus is alive. Roald Amundsen, famous Norwegian explorer, he explored the South Pole, and then that wasn't enough. He explored the North Pole. When he got to the magnetic North Pole, he took out a cage in which he had a carrier pigeon, a homing pigeon. And he opened the little door, and it began its flight back to Norway. And he and his wife had arranged that as a signal. So imagine a few days later, his wife steps out. She's sweeping off the front step of their home there in Norway, and she looks up, and she sees her husband's homing pigeon circling in the sky above the house. And she drops her broom, and she cries out, he's alive. He's alive. My husband is alive. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, when the Holy Spirit is in our church, he is a tangible reminder, a real reminder that Jesus is alive and that he keeps his promises to let God's personal, powerful presence dwell in us. So the only alternatives really are two, that either God is not at work, that people can't change, and that Jesus is a memory, or God is at work. People are being changed. And Jesus Christ is alive. Let me try that again. That Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. That's what we say when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, and may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.